you could still do that. Um, but I wasn't very, I wasn't really going to say anything. But then when you know every time there's a song and it's like um, he took our orphan heart and gave us a new name, and you know because we're no longer orphans, we're sons and daughters, right? And and he's we are in the family and we're we're in with that. And then with community, I'm like, well, blah, 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 tell him stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. And <laughs> and um, the thing is, is I was just wanting. I'm I'm on this on this in this vein and. I'm really trying to get it, and you think, you know, oh, yeah, identity, we know ourselves, I know we're in Christ, I know, but, I mean, there's always a new revelation that comes to us when we were really thinking, and so I, I, I just want to get it out, what's on my heart, just a little bit, and, you know, so far, so many times we're, we're like, we're still separate, and, you know, a sermon that I wanted is like, just seamless, because in John, I'm back on that, what's yours is mine, what's mine is yours, and what I give you, you I give to what you give to me, I give to them, and the Holy Spirit's going to declare his glory and all of that. And so because we're sons and daughters, and in John were the Pharisee, you know, why, why did they kill Jesus? What got him killed? It's because he said he was a son, and they thought, well, if you're saying you're a son, then that means you're saying you're equal with God, and there's no way you're equal with God. And so you know, we are sons. So what does that say about us? Because in John, when he was praying, you know, his prayer, who believes Jesus got his prayer answered? I believe he did. He gets his prayers answered. And so what it is, is we need to receive that revelation. It's like, yeah, he prayed that I would have everything he has and, and he's calling us sons. So that's making us equal with God. So we have that glory and Holy, he says, Holy Spirit's going to declare that what I give to him, Holy Spirit, he's going to declare that to you. And so everything that Father has, Jesus has, everything Jesus has, Holy Spirit has, everything Holy Spirit has, he's given to us his set-apart spirit that's living in us, declaring to us everything about the Father and who we are. And so we're not separate, so we don't have to, to pray and look outside. We can look within because, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, and another thought came, there's no chaos in the kingdom, there's no emergency in the kingdom and people think well if we're in the kingdom right now then why do I see all that because you're still looking out there for a kingdom when the kingdom was within you that's where it is so you don't see it because you're going to see it in here and when you see it in here what you have then that's when things change and then our minds and our hearts get connected with that and so it's how can we have that invisible come to the visible with the kingdom is because we are we can create what's inside of us because Jesus did that imagination divine imagination means in hebrew potter and so he created and what he created he spoke what what he thought about he spoke and it, and it created and we have that same ability so if so i know it's deep and i know it's quick and that's why i said i'm still studying but you are equal you have the same thing. You carry his glory, his splendor, his joy, his peace, and everything is within you that you can look within you and believe that. And then when you start walking in it, you've already received that. You don't have to look out there and beg. We behave God. We don't beg God, right? Okay, so I wanted to say 
<laughs> and, and, and if you have any kind of sickness, any kind of illness, any diagnosis, anything that you have, I mean, I want you to get this because a lot of times, you know, I'm not downing word of faith. I love it because that's where, you know, everybody has a part, everything has a piece, but I don't want to get stuck in some sort of legalistic thing that I have to do. I have to do all these things. And so a lot of times we say, well, I can't say that. I can't say that I, uh, I'm sick. I can't say that my I have diabetes. I can't say that I have cancer. I can't say that, you know. Well, it's not that you're denying that. You you, you it's subject you you have that. But what you're believing and what you're it, he says choose life or death. I'm believing and I'm choosing a different outcome. That's what faith comes in. So yeah, I went and he said that. Could be, but the truth of the fact is I'm choosing life. So now my focus and my imagination and my heart are going to connect and I'm believing for a different outcome because I have the wholeness, the kingdom within me that's in there that's making me whole. So I'm going to shape and form that just like he did because I have that. I'm equal. I'm, you are God, you know? I mean, I'm not saying that we're him, but everything the father has, we're no longer, we're, we, we have that. And so you have to understand your identity, and I know it's going back to a basic, but then it's just another building. It's another, re, it's another foundation builder that if you know who you are and you know Holy Spirit's in you, because he can only, he can only say and, and confess and, or declare what he saw at the cross and at the resurrection when he's given us, and it's about him. It's about, it's a, it's about the Father and everything you have everything you have, and you have what he has. I mean, what's his is mine. Yeah, and, and if I have it, why am I not walking in it? Because I don't believe that I'm one with him. I'm not seamless with Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with the Father, and, and I have his anointed mind. I'm walking around, you know, oh, I have the mind of Christ. Well, you know you do because you have an anointed mind, and your anointed mind is God's creativity, your imagination, that you're able to create and form everything that he's placed in you to become manifesting visibly, okay? So anyway, I just wanted to try to, if you can just chew on a little pieces of that and go study it out, it's just great, and I'll get better next time holy spirit's going to help me explain it better but anyway that's <laughs> just you're believing for a different outcome you're choosing life right we're going to believe different outcomes yeah. well don't get it confused with new age no but it, you are in a new age I mean, what the world is trying to figure out and they've coined phrases for is actually what the kingdom is already all about what's in you as a believer, is what you have to tap into. And as you tap into more of that, I read a statement this week that the human brain is capable of storing 5% more knowledge than all of Wikipedia. Think of that. That God designed you with the capability of holding more information, I didn't say retaining. <laughs> You've probably forgotten more than you'll ever remember. But because of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you, that Lisa is telling us about to tap into, um, you are one with God through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that is in you is in constant communication and fellowship with the Spirit of God, which always present puts us seated at not beside the Lord, but in Christ, in the heavenlies. 
Um, wow, it's good stuff. It's always good to hear fresh revelation and renew your mind with the washing of the Word. And as we renew our minds, the Word is Christ. The, the Word that's quick and alive and able to cut asunder to the marrow and the bone is not the words written on this page. It is Christ Himself. But thank God we do have the words written on these pages so that we can learn and gain more of the knowledge of who He is and what He has for us. Uh, we can walk in divine health. I'm not in the center of the room. We, uh, because we are already healed. Not because we can beg God for it. We walk in divine health because it is already ours and we need to believe that and see ourselves walking in that. Um, I have a great series of messages that I'm ready to preach to you, but it's not time yet, so uh, I'm not able to release contextual theology that I want to preach a series on yet. The Holy Spirit took me in a different direction. Um, I'm part of the Ministerial Association. Our church is a part of the community of churches uh, here in the Taze Valley area. We have a uh, collective group of ministers. We try to have um, meetings every month. We do a lot of humanitarian aid and effort in our community together as churches with food, uh, clothing banks, food, food banks, um, Christmas distri distribution of gifts for kids. It's all of the churches coming together that we participate in, and we have a communion we have a communion. We have a community Thanksgiving service every year. Two years ago, it was here. This year, it was at the Nazarene Church, and I attended on uh, Thursday night. It was a beautiful service. It was a, a great time. The offering from that service, uh, each church brought something. Individuals gave as well. It went to the domestic abuse uh, center here in Putnam County called uh, Branches uh, that we're supporting. Uh, through that organization, so tithe dollars, monies that come in here, help that organization, the local food bank, and a lot of other things going on in Putnam County, electric bills being paid. So I want to let you know that when you sow seed here, when God tells you to give and you give, it's not being hoarded here, it is being distributed. By God's grace, we have not missed one month, even though that we're $52,000 behind giving this year, We've caught up because it was $78,000 behind back in September, so God is helping. You are being gracious and generous, and the Lord is pouring out blessings, and many are being helped, ministries around the world as well as local uh, ministries. Isn't that good? Okay. But I did. the Holy Spirit did change the message, um, and I'm excited to release it to you, but I wanted to tell you first, how many of you heard about the... Uh, wreck out on I-64, the truck that turned over. It was Vapors, Vic's truck. There was no congestion. No, it's from the wreck. <laughs> Brett liked that one. <laughs> I see some smiles, so I got your attention. That, that was a dad joke, and uh, I love them. Uh, turn in your Bibles uh, as you laugh at me. And not with me this morning. <laughs> to Psalms 107. Psalms 107. Title of the message this morning, Oh, Give Thanks to the Lord. And Psalm 107 says that. Verse 1, I hope it's on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, Oh, Give Thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Can I get an Amen. 
Has he not been good to us? He's been better to me than I've been to myself. He, he is a good, good father. Uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Not he was good. Yes, he was. He is, present tense, good in my life. He's been good to you, has he not? His mercy, and the word mercy is just a repetitive word of goodness or favor, loving kindness. His goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. I'm thankful for the, for the scripture that points out to me that his mercy or his goodness and his loving kindness is brand new every morning. So he doesn't ever run out of goodness, mercy, graciousness, and kindness towards his people. Yeah, we could close up the book and go home shouting to God that his mercy is brand new every day. His goodness never runs out and his favor is always on his children. Hallelujah. Verse 8 of that same chapter, if you would read it, and then I'm going to point out, there's 43 verses. I'm not going to read all 43 verses. You can take time to read it this week during Thanksgiving week because there's a lot of things that if you ever run out of things to be thankful for, go to Psalms. In verse 8, David says, he makes a statement. It's a really a plea, and he's saying, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Uh, I think that a lot of times people don't know how to give thanks to the Lord for a good for His goodness because they've not been taught that He's good. They have a difficult time because the message that they've heard is one that brings thoughts to their mind that God is going to punish them. That God is punishing. He's still punishing nations. Let me tell you something. God is not dealing with nations any longer. He's dealing with the hearts of individual men and women. We can bring healing to the nations if we allow him to touch our individual hearts and we come to the knowledge and we begin to realize and are awakened to the fact that we are the leaves of the trees that bring healing to the nations. God is not judging nations. I don't know if you can hear me on that or comprehend that, but God's not judging nations. God is not judging America. Zechariah tells us that the prophecies of doom, gloom, and judgment ceased. Go to Zechariah, the 13th chapter, and read it. You will find out that new covenant prophecy does not deal with judgment. Why? Because God is not judging nations. You're reading Old Covenant language where under a certain covenant, God dealt with individuals differently. And so as the high priest went, so went the nation under an old covenant. If you want that theology, as my high priest went, so goes the nation. <laughs> my high priest is uh, forever liveth. And he has taken care of. <laughs> I, I talked to Paul White and Jamie Englehart this week about John... <laughs> the first chapter, the 14th chapter, verse 3. And what amazing revelation. <laughs> I can't wait to get some of that out. And they're going to be here next year. And they're going to get some of that out. But how do we go to a place? He said, I'm going to go to a place that where I am, you may be also. You're there. It's good news, isn't it? Psalm 107 
shows us some things. I'm going to read them to you real quick that I wrote down. If you want to take notes, you can do it. They'll be on the screen. I'll try not to go too fast, but I do want to show you just from Psalm 107 some of the things that we can be thankful for. We can be thankful because of his goodness. He has redeemed the lost. He's brought salvation. Uh, there's nothing that you and I have to do. There's nothing that no one out there that doesn't that they're lost in their own identity and not been found in the identity of Christ is he provided the redemption from that mindset so that they can realize that they are children of God. Amen? Because of his goodness, he has released the bound. You ever been bound by anything, been chained up by sin, discouragement, depression? You name anything that could bound you that so that you didn't walk in freedom. He has set you free and released those who were in bondage. That's what Luke 4.18 says, that he came to release those who were held in captivity. Because of his goodness, he's rebuilding the broken. I, I don't know, and maybe Lisa can help correct if people are just so um, enamored by their brokenness that they find their identity in it that they can't be rebuilt or they don't want to be rebuilt because they find their identity in that, but, but I don't see a bunch of broken people sitting in front of me. I know we have hang-ups and hurts and all types of things, and, but that's not, you're not broken in that. You, you might, see, you're free to struggle now. You don't have to struggle to be free. You're free to struggle in that problem or that uh, deficit or whatever you're going through. You're not broken. He has made you whole. You just don't know it up here yet. You got it in here, but get it up here so when you can think straight, you'll walk straight. <laughs> because of His goodness, He restrains the storm. I'm, I'm talking about Psalm 107, just a few of the things that you can find that David is saying, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. And then he gives a bunch of different things and reasons because of the goodness of God that they can be thankful. Um, how many of you have raised children or are raising children? Let me ask you a question and you can give me a response. Did you have to teach them to be thankful? It just wasn't normal or natural for them to say thank you when you put the food in front of them or you put the clothes on their back or you gave them a bath. You have Thanksgiving is something that is taught. We'll see here some more in just a second. But also because of his goodness, he has released power. Those are just a few things from Psalm 107 that men ought to be giving thanksgiving for, ought to be gracious and grateful for. Let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter. We're going to stir up some things, okay? Romans eight twenty-eight. How many of you know it? And we know that all things work together for God, for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I saw Stephen Furtick take a pot and a spoon, and he said, all together, throw whatever into the pot. Divorce, death, loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of a child. Put, 
just whatever you want to know, throw it into the pot and stir it all together. The ingredients of your life may be different from the ingredients of my life, but if we put it in the pot, God is stirring it all together to make something good out of it. Now, when I saw that illustration and I saw that God was taking all of the ingredients of my life and he was putting it in the pot and he was stirring it all up to make it something that's working for my good, I, I was reminded of the scripture in Psalm 34 verse 8 that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. To taste here means to literally sense the flavor of his favor. Now, we're having Thanksgiving this week. How many of you go to relative's house or someone else's house to eat? Okay. If you're going to someone's house to eat that you've never been to before, it's like... it. Young people, okay, if Matthew brings his girlfriend Bailey to our house, it may take her a while to eat something off of the table because she doesn't trust the cook. What are you laughing at, Kathy? I'm a good cook, and Lisa's even better. <laughs> but if you don't trust the cook, you won't eat what they're cooking. Does that make sense? I mean, if you don't know what ingredients... Uh, <laughs> Amber was telling a story. Can I tell on Todd <laughs> with the green bean casserole? She made a green bean casserole to the exact detail of ingredients that his mom makes it. She, he said, it don't taste like mom's. It's the same exact recipe. It's not a secret ingredient found on the back of the can. <laughs> but it tasted different to him. He, he trusted growing up on mom's cooking. It took him a little longer to trust his wife's cooking. Amen. <laughs> we can trust the cook. God is taking all of the ingredients of our life, good, bad, ugly, and he's stirring it all together. And if we'll taste and see that he is good. Um, I have taught... I still believe, and I think that gratitude is an attitude. But if we stop with a simple truth that gratitude is an attitude, attitudes are in the heart. But if it never becomes an action, let me say it this way. Thankfulness make it, does not nearly, merely consist of words. It has to be shown in actions. Um, it's kind of like James said over in his book that he wrote, faith without works is dead. It's not alive. What he was saying is faith without actions is dead. He wasn't saying that your works made you saved. But he said, after the fact that we, we believe that by the righteousness, by believing we are made the righteousness of God, it's by an act of faith. But he said, to show men that you are righteous, you've got to put feet to your faith. There needs to be action. 
And we can sit in the four walls of churches, we can sit in our homes, we can get on our devices, and we can say that we are thankful. Praise God, I'm thankful for His goodness. But until it comes from the heart and becomes a habit, it's just an attitude. And it needs to be an action. The attitude that translates into the action is moving it from the heart to becoming a habit of living a thankful life. We ought to be the most thankful and gracious people on the planet, sons and daughters of God. We ought to be grateful. A grateful heart will translate into grateful habits. Verse 2 of 107 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Any redeemed in the house today? Say so. The NIV there says, let the redeemed tell their story. If you've tasted of the Lord, of, of His goodness, and you are thankful, then you ought to be telling other people about the goodness of God, sharing the good news. Grateful people, the redeemed of the Lord, say so. They tell their story about how God has been good to them. Can I share with you quickly three levels of thanks? It's, it's kind of a, a maturity process. It, you know, you can't expect your two-year-old to be as thankful, or maybe they are more thankful than your 15-year-old. But the maturity process, as things happen in life, there's different levels of thanksgiving. The first one is giving thanks for for salvation, for healing, for the food on our table, for the blessing of the Lord. Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, verse 10, Moses says, When you have eaten and are full, then give thanks for the good land. You remember the story at the beginning of this year? Our message series, what we started with was milk and honey that we were going into, that we were already in a land. It's not a piece of property or real estate. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ and all that He's given to us. So we give thanks for what He has done. We give thanks for salvation. We give thanks for uh, healing. We give thanks for... Those are called provisions. Anybody thankful for the provisions that God has given you in your life? That's one level, I believe, on a very elementary level that we need to be thankful for the provisions that God has given us. Here's a quote from that message in uh, December of 2020 heading into this year called Milk and Honey. A believer who is always complaining and discontent has not really began to experience the joy and the peace that are available in the kingdom of God. When you have uh, can be content and thankful, then you're beginning to experience, really having experiencing the joy and the peace that are available in the kingdom of God. Over in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter admonishes us to grow up in our salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you would read 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, you'll find out that he says, now that you've tasted of the goodness of the Lord, that's what we're talking about. Uh, he's been good to us to provide for us. 
but we need to grow up and move on. Yes, we continue to be thankful for provisions. I'm not telling you to stop being thankful for your provision, but when, it, when we grow up, the next level of gratitude is give thanks even though. You see, you give thanks for the provisions, but the next level is giving thanks even though. Psalms 23 verse 4 in the New International Version says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Don't leave the rest of it out. You are with me. So you give thanks for provision, but in the next level you give thanks for His presence. Even though my heart is broken, even though I've experienced life, loss, even though I've experienced divorce, even though I give thanks. Why? Because you you were with me. You've never left me. In the darkest valley, you didn't leave me. He goes on to say that in that valley, there's also the presence of enemies. Even though there's the presence of enemies, you are with me. And when I give thanks, you're preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy of insecurity, the enemy of uh, deficits, the enemy of addictions, the enemy of confusion. See, you're thinking of the enemy that is a, a person. I'm not giving thanks, or I'm not, I'm not worried about people. They're not my enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul tells us, you're not my enemy. I'll tell you what we are struggling with, what people are facing is their own insecurities. I'm seeing people post on Facebook about certain political topics and hot topics in our country right now, and the anger that they are expressing towards what's going on, they're really not angry about what's going on. They're angry in here. That's an enemy of their soul right now. There's a hurt from long ago that's never been dealt with, and because that hurt became a hang-up, and now that hang-up is uh, a habit, there's... Uh, digressing or deflecting their anger towards other people. They're not really mad at those people. They don't even know who those people are. They're mad at what happened to them, and they're expressing that aggression. That's an enemy of the soul. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Matthew said, we don't have enemies. We have inner me's. If we can just begin to recognize that the presence of our enemies, <laughs> this is good, is a sign that it's time to feast. Did you get it? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So if these enemies are showing up, it's a time to give thanks because he's preparing a feast. Jimmy, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a culture that said when my enemy showed up, it was time to fast. Because obviously I'm not doing something wrong or i got to get God to change His mind about me. When the, the Scripture proves the total opposite of what I grew up believing. I've got to deprive myself of something in order for God to move in my behalf. But when I'm deprived of something, God's already moving on me by my behalf and He's preparing a table for me to feast in the presence of my enemies. The next time you have something that shows up in your life, do two things. Be grateful because in the presence of your enemies, God's preparing a table for you. It's time to eat. 
And number two, you can be assured that if there's the presence of your enemies, that you also have the presence of your heavenly father because he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Even though anybody have a difficult time sometimes giving thanks when there's even those? Even though some things are going, if we look at the, the news every night, if we look at social media constantly and we, we get our, uh, uh, the input of our life from that, we're not going to have much hope and there's not going to be very much to be grateful for. If you can find out what the scripture says about who he is and who you are in him, you can find a lot of things to be thankful for. Paul, the doctor of thanks says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, which he wrote over in Corinth in 51 AD after his second missionary journey to Thessalonica. Um, he returns, and in Corinth, he's thinking about uh, what he saw there, and, and he tells the, the, the church at Thessalonica, he says, Rejoice always. Be joyous in every season. Pray continually. And then verse 18, he says, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ. The Message Bible says, Thank God no matter what happens. He didn't say thank God for what happens. He said thank God no matter what happens. So we've gone from, we've graduated from the, the elementary thank God for my blessings, to thank God even though I'm going through some battles and some storms, He's with me and He's preparing a feast for me to feast on His goodness and taste and see that the Lord is good even when the circumstances and the storms around me don't look so good. And then we can even graduate to after the fact, no matter what happens, I'm still going to give Him thanks. I know if I talk to you, and I have talked to some of you, that there are times that it's been difficult to be grateful. But you don't have to feel grateful to be grateful. Did you hear me? You don't have to feel grateful to be grateful. Gratitude is not just a feeling. It's a skill and a way of seeing your world. I want to close with this. If Jonathan, she'll come and say, there's five risks that you are taking by being ungrateful. Number one, and I see this a lot, chronic unhappiness. Ungratefulness will lead to chronic unhappiness in people's lives. I'm not just talking about people out there that haven't come to the knowledge of what Jesus has given them. They can be thankful for what they have, but they're unhappy because they want more. Or they don't have enough. Or they don't have the right thing. So they have chronic unhappiness. Another risk is that ungratefulness is tied to trauma. When you're ungrateful... You see everything that's traumatic in your life. Not just dramatic, but traumatic. That's a traumatic situation. Oh, that was a catastrophe. And they're, they're not thankful for in anything or for anything. And they're unhappy because of it. Do you know that ungratefulness, scientifically, it has been proven that more mental disorders and distress arise in ungrateful people? 
I am not downplaying mental disorders at all. But I think a lot of the disorder that we have up here is coming because of ungratefulness. If people haven't found something to be thankful for, it's causing mental disorder. I'm not talking about chemical imbalances. I'm talking about disorder, dysfunction that can become order and function through finding out what God has done for you, what he's doing for you, what he provided for you, and that he's stirring it all together to make it good in your life. One of the risks of ungrateful people is that we face self-fulfilling prophecies. The world would say it's, it's despair. And the last one is the medical field has said that ungrateful people are more likely to be unhealthy. It leads to poor health. So if you want better health, be grateful <laughs> for the health that you do have. But again, I think this goes right back to what Lisa was saying. If your perspective is one of out here and not inward, and if you will look inward to see what you already have, you are already healed. Jesus is not going to go to the whipping post when you beg Him to heal you to be whipped again. He provided for your healing, and the Bible says that by those stripes that were beaten into His back, you are healed. So I can look inwardly and say, hey, I believe that. I have healing. I'm going to walk in that healing. And I'm thankful for it. And begin to thank God for what Jesus did by taking those stripes so that you can be healed. Start thinking of the life that God has given you as a wonderful gift. Taste and see in every area of your life the goodness of God. Then tell the story. Verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His wonderful and marvelous acts, it says in one of the verses there in 107. I, I just, I believe that in not just in the season of Thanksgiving, but a lifestyle year in and year out, day in and day out, of gratitude needs to become a habit. And if we have to teach toddlers and infants to be thankful as believers we need to be taught to be thankful and to be grateful uh, you know it, it's it's called thanks giving giving thanks I, I saw it in the verse that I read for communion 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter verse 26 and over in Luke 22 when Jesus is giving it to his disciples it says that he took the bread and he gave thanks well, if Jesus was demonstrating a life of thanksgiving and gratitude, I think that we could walk in the way that he walked and that we can be grateful. I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, hey, really, if you want to be honest about it, you don't have to pray for your food. You pray after you've eaten. You don't even pray. You just give thanks for it. Deuteronomy 18, 8, 10 says that when you've eaten and are full and satisfied, give thanks. not just for the provision man there are a lot of people in this season right now that don't have jobs they don't have homes the streets even here in Charleston and Huntington are full of homeless people we are encountering people in Putnam County now that are homeless be, 
can you be thankful for? That's the first level. That's the basic elementary. Are you thankful for? A car, for clothes, for a job, healthy kids. I mean, I, I remember days I didn't have health insurance. I thank God for health insurance. Uh, it's just, you can go on and go on and thankful for. But then the next level, can we be thankful even though? Just by the acknowledgement of a raised hand, anybody going through a valley? Any, any Anybody going through even though? I see a hand in the back. Even those right now, yeah. Hands all over the place here. And I know because I know some of your experiences that some things have happened in your life and no matter what, you can still be thankful. Didn't get the job? Well, no matter what, I didn't get it, I'm going to praise him. The report didn't come out the way you want, no matter what, I'm going to praise him because I am healed. <laughs> Stand to your feet if you would, please. And Lisa and I watched the seventh, uh, sixth game of the World Series where the Braves uh, beat that other team, the Astros. <laughs> and there were a, a lot of home runs that night when we watched that game. It's, it's my desire. So I'm a sports guy, I like sports. Uh, when I went to the field, I didn't go to the field to lose. I went to win. Um, but I also went to the field to hit a home run every time I got up to bat or score a touchdown every time I touched the ball. Uh, and, you know, that translates into life. And it's difficult sometimes that when you don't hit that home run and you don't score that touchdown to be thankful. Um, but we have to get a mindset that we're thankful for while God's done for us. We're thankful even though we're going through because of his presence but we're going to thank him even when it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out because he is working it all together for my good. Uh, that, that's not just a cliche scripture to run to when you're having bad times. It is truth. He works things out for our good. Let's be grateful and gracious. You have something to sing, brother? Let's just worship for just a second.